0: Before I begin, I like to periodically remind everyone that I am the fortunate host of six different podcasts. Of course, there's the Ethics Podcast going through Perkei We're up to chapter five. We're nearing the end. But that's not all that we offer here at Torch. We have, of course, the Parsha Podcast, which is also nearing a milestone. This is the fifth year that we've done the Parsha Podcast, and we're about to reach the end of the fifth cycle. And please, God, we will start with the sixth cycle after Simchas Torah. It's been an amazing year on the Parsha Podcast. If you haven't tested it, if you haven't sampled it, if you haven't given it a listen, check it out. I also have the Jewish History Podcast. This podcast has been a little bit neglected over the summer. You know, with the summer, with the kids home, it's a little harder to do. You have to forgive me, but I have very ambitious plans for the Jewish History Podcast upcoming, so look out for that. There is Torah 101, We talk about the fundamental principles of Torah philosophy and theology and eschatology, and there are a lot of juicy subjects upcoming. Check that out. The mitzvah podcast is humming right along. There are 613 mitzvahs. I think we're up to mitzvah number 81 or so. We're working on it. We're seeing lots of progress. We hope to get to mitzvah number 613, the mitzvah to write a Torah scroll. Sometime soon, and finally, there is the original this Jewish Life podcast, and now we're entering the season of the festivals, and we're going to have a lot of amazing content. I'm working on some amazing stuff for the this Jewish Life podcast. Give it a listen, and as always, my email address is RabbiWolbejum.com. We are up to chapter five, mission number fourteen. Arba midos bideos. There are four character types. Of temperaments. Number one, Noach Lechos V'Noach Lertzos, one who easily becomes angry and is easily appeased. So that person, Yatsa HaSchar it exceeded is his gain by his loss, meaning that what he gains is outweighed by what he loses. So that's the first kind of person. The second kind of person is Kasha Lechos V'Kasha Lertzos, someone who it's very difficult for them to, to become angry, but it's very difficult for them to be appeased. So that person, it's very hard for them to get angry, but it's also very hard once they are angry to become appeased. Yatza <inaudible> hefseido It Exceeded is his loss by his gain. So this person's better off because they don't get angry so easily. And finally, we have the final two. Someone who is very difficult to make them angry. But they are appeased very easily. That's a chasid. That is a pious person because it's very hard to get them angry. And once they're angry, it's very easy to appease them. And finally, Noach Lichos, Vikasha Lirzos, someone who becomes angry very easily. And once they're angry, they retain that anger for a long time. It's hard to appease them. That is a Russia. That is a wicked person. So this is a similar structure to the previous Mishnah. We're talking about a certain character type. The previous mission was about about charity, about giving, about generosity, about what's yours is yours, what's mine is yours, and the four kinds of people vis-a-vis that. And now we're talking about the four kinds of people relative to anger, and there's four kinds of people, someone who becomes easily angered, easily appeased, difficult to become angry, difficult to be appeased, and then you have... The righteous and the wicked, you have the most righteous, someone's difficult to make them angry and easy to appease them. And finally, the most wicked, someone who it is easy to make them angry, they get angered by everything and they, once they're angry, they stay so it's very difficult to appease them. So let's dig into this Mishnah. So first of all, if you read the first couple of words of the Mishnah, it's talking about the four kinds of people, Relative to Deos, to temperaments, to character. Now, I would think that if it's talking about character and temperament, it would talk about kind of general character and behavior. But it mentions only one aspect of it, and that's the question of anger. It doesn't talk about other things like uh, like kindness and other characteristics. The the some you know someone's uh, arrogance, perhaps you would say. There's other characteristics out there besides for just anger. Evidently from our Mishnah, anger is not an isolated characteristic. It is a personification of a person's true essential nature. So therefore, you could assess a person's character by just looking at how and when they get angry and how and when and under what circumstances and with what degree of difficulty do they become appeased. Now, our sages agree with this Mishnah, and there's many Talmudic sources to this effect. So, for example, the Talmud says that if someone gets angry, it's akin to them worshiping idols. Now, of course, worshiping idols, that is a total repudiation of faith. That's equivalent to abandoning all of Torah. And the Talmud says that someone who gets angry, is akin to someone who does idolatry. Moreover, the Talmud in the book of Nadiram, page 22a says, someone who gets angry, even the Shekhinah, even the divine presence has no value to them. Moreover, the Talmud, again, in that same location tells us, someone who gets angry, all manner of Gehenom control them. All different types of purgatory are their lot and destiny. I think this is interesting. We're talking about anger here, and anger is an emotion that I think most of us have experienced. It's certainly something that we see a lot in day-to-day life. It's perhaps something we struggle with in our quest to improve our own character. And before this Mishnah, if we were to have to make an assessment, we would say, well, anger, it kind of happens. It's very natural. Everyone gets angry at some point. It's not so bad. You look at the Talmud, and the Talmud says, you get angry, it's like you're worshipping idols. It's a crazy thing. The gulf between how we would assess it and how the Torah assesses it, it's quite large. You know, I was thinking, one of the takeaways of the pandemic is that tiny little things can have huge consequences. You know, someone sneezes. And now we've all been conditioned to think, oh no, there's maybe like a hundred million viruses that were just sent into the ear and they're scattered everywhere. And who knows what diseases they contain and how it's going to affect everyone. There's like a new sensitivity, I feel like, to the world around us. And the little things, the innocuous things, the things that really wouldn't have registered very strongly earlier, now we have this heightened sensitivity and all the little themes, we now view them as being very important. And I feel like this is similar to the way the Torah is trying to condition us on a spiritual level. So for example, the Talmud famously tells us that it is better for you to jump into a fiery furnace to die than to whiten your friend's face publicly. If you embarrass someone publicly, it's like you killed them because their face gets red and it gets white and they're as white as a cadaver. And it's better for you to die than to do that. Now, we would say, you know, to embarrass someone publicly, it's not a nice thing to do, but it's not like murder. So, to tell them this tiny little thing that maybe we would think is small and innocuous, it's actually very big. And here the Talmud tells us, if you get angry, that's akin to idolatry. That means that the of the Divine Presence, holds no weight, carries no water for you. That means that you are destined to have all manners of gehenum. There's a similar idea here, that we're being trained that the small little things are sometimes concealing something quite nefarious. Now, what is the idea here? Why is anger so bad? Why is it equivalent to idolatry? Why does it portend that the person is going to have all manners of Gehenom to pay for this anger? Why is anger so bad? So the commentaries tell us a very deep idea. They say that anger is the emotion of someone who is operating as if that person is not in the presence of God. When a person is angry, they are displaying their belief that God is not present. How so? If you believe in God and you believe he's involved in our lives, and you believe that things that happen to you are not by chance, it's not just coincidence, you believe that the Almighty is actually involved in your life and in your world, and something bad happens to you, and you immediately pin it on a person, you're ignoring God. Someone cuts you off, someone does something not nice to you, Someone wrongs you in some way. If you are a believer, you think about God. God wanted me to have this pain. God wanted me to learn this lesson. God wanted me to develop this patience. For whatever reason, this had to happen to me. And if it's from God, why would you get so mad? Why would you get so furious? After all, it's a lesson. And maybe we could even say, it's a gift. Because when God gives you a difficult time, it means he hasn't given up on you. And he mean, and it means that he has big plans for you. He is trying to stress test you. He is trying to build up your spiritual muscles. He's your spiritual trainer. And you get angry at the guy, and you start screaming, and you lose yourself By doing that, you are repudiating faith. And there's a deep insight here. We believe that every person has a master. And the only difference between a righteous person and a wicked person is who is that person's master? Is it God, with a capital G? Or is it The fake God, the faux God, the foreign God, the Yetzirah. And if God is not present in someone's behavior, well, who is? Who is going to fill that void of dominion over a person? That void, that vacuum will be filled by the foreign God. We call that the Yetzirah. And there's an amazing Talmud in the book of Shabbos, page 105b, that connects the imposition of the foreign god with anger. The Talmud says as follows. And again, this is another example of small things being amplified and magnified and us examining with a a spiritual microscope a person's behavior. Says the Talmud, If someone gets so angry that they rip up their clothing, and they shatter their vessels, and they throw away their money. Says the Talmud, you should look at them like they are idolaters. For this is the craft of the Yetzirah. Today he tells you to do this, and tomorrow he tells you to do that, until eventually he tells you to do idolatry, and you go and worship it. Continues the Talmud. What is the source to this effect? Quotes a verse: "Lo yihi ebecha elzar." You should not have within you a foreign god. What is the foreign god that's within a person? That is the Yetzer Hara. This is a fascinating Talmud because it shows us the the modus operandi of the Yetzer Hara. The Yetzer Hara doesn't say to a person, "Go do idolatry." Because the person says, I'm not going to do idolatry. I'm a believer. I have faith. I'm not going to do that. What the answer I does say is that, oh, that person did something bad to you. Oh, your sports team lost. Your stocks went down. Your preferred candidate lost the election. Whatever it is. Get angry. Throw stuff. Smash your vessels against the wall. Let out your anger. Act irrational. And now he has a foothold. And slowly you becomes submitted to the Etsara. This is the process of evicting God, so to speak, from within a person, and supplanting that with the foreign God. And you begin to obey the directives of your newfound deity with religious conviction. And that's why it's the foreign god. And what is the portal of entry into man of the foreign god, says the Talmud, it's anger. When the anger is there, God is banished. Yetzirah becomes the man's new master. And now he's in control. And he is going to start to get you down a path that will eventually amount to you totally repudiating your faith and doing idolatry. Hence, the Talmud tells us, if you see a person who's angry, it's equivalent to them doing idolatry. On one level, it's because that is an act that signifies, that symbolizes a person's lack of faith. Moreover, it's going to begin a process. It's going to snowball until the person actually does do idolatry, because once the person nudges God, so to speak, out of, themselves, God's no longer their internal supreme master, the Yetzirah, the foreign guard, has a foothold as well. Before you know it, that will amount to actual idolatry. And that's why the Talmud tells us that all manner of Gehenom is this person's destiny. Because once the Yetzirah has a foothold, he's in charge, he is calling the shots, Well, all kinds of sin are this person's destiny. And therefore, all manner of punishment, all manner of purgatory, all manner of post-mortem cleansing are this person's lot as well. Because now the Acer is in charge, calling the shots, it could give instructions, it could give directives, it could give commands at will, the person now will obey his master. And this is why, of course, anger is so destructive. And the Midrash tells us that there were three times that Moshe got angry. And every time Moshe got angry, of course, Moshe is the greatest person who ever lived. Three times that he got angry, even though we are certain that he had very good reasons to get angry. Nevertheless, each one of those episodes is followed by Moshe forgetting Torah. By Moshe omitting lessons by Moshe being ignorant to his responsibility, says the Talmud, says the Midrash, you get angry, you forget Torah. And even though Moshe must have had very good reasons to get angry, nevertheless, this is almost a direct consequence of getting angry, is that Torah is evicted with the anger. The first time the Midrash tells us, Moshe gets angry at the people, who when they get the manna, they keep it to the next day. Moshe gave clear instructions. You eat manna, you collect your manna, it's for one day. Single use. Tomorrow, you get a new batch of manna. Don't keep it overnight. Some people kept it overnight. Moshe gets angry. And then he forgets to tell the nation, oh, on Friday, you get a double portion. And that's why if you look at the verses in chapter 15 of the book of Exodus the people come to Moshe and they say why do we have a double portion he says oh i forgot to tell you that now is friday and friday you get a double portion cuz tomorrow's not going to show up so Moshe omitted a critical detail of the instruction about how to deal with the manna says the midrash it is related to what happened a few verses prior that he got angry with people who kept the manna overnight at the beginning of the manna That's the first instance. The second instance is with the war of Midian. Moshe gets angry at the warriors for sparing the women of Midian, who were the cause of the war to begin with. And right afterwards, Elazar, who is the high priest, the son of Aaron, Moshe's nephew, he conveys the laws of purging of the vessels, says the Midrash, because Moshe forgot. Moshe forgot these laws. Moshe forgot to teach them because he got angry. And finally, Moshe gets angry on Elazar and Isamar, the two brothers, uh, the two sons of, of Aaron, who survived and he forgot the law that an onan, meaning someone who recently lost a relative, is not allowed to eat sacrificial foods. And this is an amazing midrash. Because if Moshe, the greatest man who ever lived, the person who went to heaven negotiated with the Almighty and angels and brought down the Torah and shattered the first set of tablets, got the second set of tablets, this is the greatest person who ever lived. And even Moshe, who we are certain that when he got angry, it was calculated. It was measured. It was done in the way that you're supposed to get angry. More about that in a second. Even Moshe, he forgets Torah when he gets angry. That certainly means that part of our spiritual capacity and abilities, our spiritual reservoirs will be diminished every time that we get angry. In fact, the Midrash tells us, if Moshe, the greatest sage, the father of all the prophets, when he got angry, he forgot Torah, us all the more so. And therefore concludes the Midrash, a person should be very gentle and reserved in their responses to not get angry, because then we too will be diminished spiritually all the more so. So this is um the the introduction to the subject or why anger is so destructive. Okay, so we have a picture as to why anger is so destructive. It is a person failing to display, so to speak, faith within their behavior. If you believe in God, and the way, of course, we just define it, that the Almighty is involved in your life and nothing happens to you against the Almighty's will, well then, if something bad happens to you, don't blame the person. Try to discover, try to reverse engineer what the Almighty wants from you. Moreover, it is a foothold of the Sahara. It's a foothold of the foreign god, and now it is a portal to all manner of sin, and thus all manner of Gehenna purgatory. Now, our Mishnah describes four degrees of character relative to anger. We have the best, some it's very hard to get the angry, and once you get the angry, they are able to be appeased and mollified quite easily. And then there's someone who's good, who's, it's really hard to make them angry, but it's really hard to appease them. It's good. It's not great, but it's good. And there's someone who's bad. It's not awful, but it's it's still bad. That's someone who gets angered very easily and gets appeased very easily. And then there's the worst, the Rasha, the wicked person, someone who gets angered very easily and is appeased very difficultly. Now, there's an interesting question all the commentaries asked on this Mishnah. If I told you that anger is so bad and so destructive and is a repudiation of faith, if I told you that and we had to guess, well, what's the best kind of way to deal with this? Well, I would imagine you would say that the most righteous person is someone who never gets angry. Wouldn't that be the best? The Mishnah describes someone who's the best, who's the chassid, who's the pious one, as someone who it's very difficult to get them angry. I could describe someone as even better. Someone, no matter what you do, can never make them angry. Why is the best person of our Mishnah, someone who it's hard to get them angry, but is appeased really easily? Maybe we should say that someone who never gets angry at all, that is the most righteous person. And the commentaries explain that indeed the most righteous person is someone who it is hard to get them angry, but not impossible because anger and vengeance and aggressiveness and having a very sharp response is sometimes appropriate. So the example that one of the commentaries give is that Pinchas, Phineas, he is praised for his zealotry. He is praised for getting really angry at the sinners. And that's why he is promoted to become a a Kohen. That's why he's a great hero of the story. He stops the plague. He is someone who displays a righteous kind of anger, a righteous indignation. And that's a good thing. On the flip side, you have someone like Saul and the Talmud tells us that Saul was actually punished due to his timidity. When he ascended to the monarchy, there were some people who failed to accept that and Saul was quiet and he tolerated, so to speak, the challenge or the the tacit challenge to his monarchy. And that's the reason why he lost it, says the Talmud. Why? Because it is sometimes appropriate for a person to be fierce and ferocious and aggressive and angry and zealous and strident, anger in small doses and in targeted instances is actually quite necessary. Similarly, the Tama tells us that if you have a Torah scholar who doesn't avenge like a snake, well, that's not a real Torah Torah scholar, of course. Revenge is a terrible thing. We're told that we cannot take revenge, but there are specific times when it is appropriate, and therefore, the best person is not someone who never gets angry, not someone who is just, you know, so timid and 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 doesn't get angry about anything. That is someone who doesn't really care about anything. You would describe a nihilist. As someone who should never get angry. If something really matters, if something's really important, and that is being violated, well, then you must get enraged. You have to get furious. Otherwise, you are condoning that behavior. Otherwise, it means that it doesn't really bother you. So that's the sweet spot. The sweet spot is it's hard to get you angry. You don't get angry over petty things. But things that really matter, it's really important for you to get angry about. There's an amazing teaching in the Talmud, in the book of Erevan, page 65a, going into 65b. The Talmud tells us that there are three themes that reveal a person's true nature. Betiso, Bicaso Bicoso, Just a wonderful way to describe it. With his wallet, with his anger and with his cup, drinking. People can conceal their true nature really easily. We're all good at putting up a front, displaying a a facade, a fake facade of not who we are, but who we want to portray ourselves as. But someone's true nature, someone's true character, is exposed, comes to the surface with these three things, with their wallet, with their anger, and with their cup. These three instances are windows into a person's true nature. You know, we know nothing about politics, of course, but in recent elections, the election polling was way off from the actual result. And the reason for that is that people have their revealed preferences and they have their stated preferences. What someone actually believes is what they vote for in the ballot box, not what they tell the pollster. Same kind of idea. Someone's actual character is revealed in these three themes, not in other areas. In other areas, they could conceal it. They always give the advice, if you're on a date and you want to understand your, your date's true character, You have to realize that they're going to conceal it. They're going to cover it. They're not going to reveal it to you. They want to put up, you know, portray themselves the best, the best version of themselves. So they give advice. You look how they treat the server. Have you heard that before? You look how they treat the server. Because if they treat the server with respect and with dignity, then you know that maybe there's actual, you know, a, a good person there. This is the idea that someone's actual character is very often concealed. And there are three things that reveal, that expose a person's true character. How they spend their money. Voting with their dollars. Have you heard that term? People vote with their dollars. Look what they spend money on, and then you know what they care about. Look how they behave when they're drunk. When they're drunk, their inhibitions are lowered and their true self comes to the surface. They used to say about Rabbi Swal Salantar, the founder of the Muslim movement, he would say that when you get drunk on Purim, it's a test to find out who you really are. Because how you behave, that's a little window into what kind of person you really are. And he would sit and teach amazing insights of Torah nonstop while he was drunk. Nonstop, And all the students would gather because they would hear the the rest of the year he would cover up his Torah greatness and then on Purim it would just blossom to the surface. There was no way to bottle it up anymore. You know, someone who was was, very developed and very sensitive they don't want to pursue honor they'll be maybe modest about their true accomplishments. But then comes along because with their drink they get drunk and their true greatness is exposed to all. And then you have some people and they get drunk and they act like a, you know, very perverted ways and they start speaking ways that they don't usually speak. Now we know that there's some other stuff brewing beneath the surface. And finally, you have Picasso in their anger. What animates a person to the point of anger? That reveals what is really important to them. So like in Argentina and other places in the world when their team loses a soccer game. Have you seen that? Soccer riots. They flip over cars and they burn police cars and half the city burns down because of a bunch of highly paid athletes playing a child's game trying to kick a ball on a goal and it didn't work out. The score didn't end up the way you wanted. That's what's important to you and that's what gets you so angry and that's what makes you act like a total lunatic or politics or, uh I don't know, Star Wars. In my opinion, it's a little bit sad. You know, you're a superpower with a brain, with a holy soul loftier than angels, with a mind capable of connecting to the Almighty and His Torah, and this is what animates you. It is somewhat of a real shame. But the principle of this Talmud is that everyone gets angry because everyone has things that matter to them. But not the things that matter to everyone is the same. Some people, it's really silly things, things that really don't matter, things that ultimately are not going to help them once their soul is removed from their body or even once their soul is still in their body. It doesn't really matter. It's immaterial. Who cares? But the righteous... They get angry at the things that really do matter. That's what animates them. And actually, when you see someone getting angry for a, a, a righteous and just cause, well, then you know that there's something really special about this person. So anger is necessary provided that it's done properly. And the commentaries explain that it's critical if you're going to get angry about something to do it properly. You have to evaluate the merits of anger. Is it something which is worthwhile to get angry about? Is this going to be beneficial? Are you going to be teaching something? Are you going to be learning something? Are you going to inoculate yourself from something really bad? Also, the commentaries add, it's important to not be instinctual about it, to be... Deliberate about it to kind of be in control of your anger and not be out of control. They used to say about the great altar of Kelm, one of the primary students of Yisrael Salanter, he had a special set of clothing that he would don when it was appropriate for him to get angry. So when he knew, now this is something I have to get angry about, so he would swap out his clothing to put on his angry clothing. Again, yeah, total deliberance, in total control of his behavior, not just reacting in a violent way, but to do it in, in a mindful and thoughtful way. The great Rabbi Rochem Levavitz, my grandfather's primary teacher, he would never get angry immediately. He would always wait an hour. Plan it, it's, you're in control, this is not... You know, you're just acting on a whim to do it properly. Moreover, there's a very famous Rambam where he talks about the difference between actual anger and only superficial anger. He says that there's there's anger, which is internal, where you get so riled up and you just think in your head of how I'm going to smash the guy. Oh, I want to just see the blood splurling out of their face. There's anger that really appends you internally. And then there's a way to display that, but to actually be calm and serene internally and only to have superficial anger. And when we get angry the way it's supposed to be done, we have to display our anger, but to have our internal equilibrium remain undisrupted. And if we could do that, if we could get angry at the right things, and do it properly, and be deliberate, and only display it externally, but not actually be upended internally, that indeed is something which displays great character, Bikiso, Bikaso, So thus we have our Mishnah. You have someone who gets angry really easily, but gets appeased. It's also easy as well. The Mishnah says, well, that person, the bad outweighs the good. Yes, it's easy to appease them, but it gets angry again, and who knows what the person could do when they're piping mad. So that's bad, not awful, but it's bad. And then you have someone who, it's good, not great, but not bad. Someone who gets angered very difficultly, it takes a lot to get them angry, but once they get angry, they really are fixed in it. It's not great because they not get appeased easily but at least it is something which is exceedingly rare. And then, of course, you have the wicked and the pious, and that is self-explanatory. So I think it's important when we have this Mishnah talking about the different levels of people getting angry, it's important to learn a little bit about how to control it. Anger is something which is very destructive in our life and our relationships. And this Mishnah, I think, tells us That we may have a penchant for anger. We may have a tendency towards anger. But it's not fixed. This is something which is changeable. If you want to become a pious person, you can actually learn to control it. And every person, of course, we know is assigned a different degree of temperaments, different degree of characteristics. Some people are just hot-headed they just naturally really have to struggle with this. And other people are more calm. And this is not really much of a challenge for them. I remember once I was in shul, and I walked into the kitchen once, and I saw a guy, he was holding two pieces of briskets in his hands. One in the right hand, and one in the left hand. And he was munching on him. So I walked over to them, I said, um, you're really enjoying the brisket, huh? It was like a middle of davening. It was like really strange to see someone eating brisket like that with their hands. So he told me something, which is really hard to get out of your head. He says, some people lust after women and some people lust after food. That's what he tells me. Everyone has their different yates arise. Everyone has their different challenges. Some people have one challenge. I really love the food. And he's holding the brisket, one in each hand. So with respect to anger, it's like that as well. Some people are just given a greater challenge in this area than others. Some people, this is not much of a struggle for them and others, it is. But regardless, it's something that we have to learn to harness and to be in control of. And my grandfather, blessed memory, he would say that the very first step of a person learning to manage and control their anger is learning to develop Patience. Patience is the key to controlling anger. In fact, the Hebrew word for patience, savlanut, is the same word that is ascribed to Moshe and to Joshua, the first two leaders of our people. Evidently, patience is something which is very valuable and very important and very necessary. And what it actually means is suffering. The way to achieve patience and thereby to develop the control over this very powerful emotion of anger is to learn how to deal with pain. To learn how to suffer silently. Some people are just enraged by a lot of things. And they want to blurt it out, and they want to scream, and they want to erupt like Mount Vesuvius. And that's because they have a visceral response to pain. The way to control it is to learn not to avoid the pain, but to accept it, to bear it, to learn to just be comfortable with a little bit of pain. And if you learn how to suffer silently a little bit, you are going to control your anger. You'll be in charge. And when someone is in charge of their character, they become capable of being in charge of others. Because the actual quality of leadership is dealing with fools. It's suffering with fools. You're a leader of a 100,000 people, of 600,000 people, of millions of Jews. Everyone's different. Everyone has their own thoughts. And you have to be the one who suffers all of them. That's what it takes. It takes to accept every person the way they are, with their eccentricities and idiosyncrasies, and all their difficulties, and all the pain that they're going to bring upon you. That's the way to do it. That's what we see from our Mishnah. That this idea, which we view as just, you know, it's part of life, people get angry, it's okay, what could you do about it? This is very important, very critical. It could describe a person's characteristics. If you just look at how they get angry, when they get angry, you know a lot about them. You know what matters to them. You know how much of a control they have over their lives versus the foreign God? What presence does God have in their lives? How likely are they to be under the influence of the foreign God to be able to do all kinds of terrible sins? And what shot do they have to become a leader of others? A good parent needs to control this. A good spouse, if you want the marriage to endure, you need this. A good coworker. It's critical. And the key to it all, start with a little bit of patience, a little bit of biting your lip and suffering a little bit, absorbing the pain, learning to live with it. That is the key to embarking on the path to become a righteous person. I thank you are listening. My email address is RabbiWolby at gmail.com Send me your questions, your comments, and your feedback.